Hey, human person, you are glorious. You are glorious because God has made you glorious. It's so good to realize that this idea of royal dignity, of inherent value, it's not something novel. It's something that goes right back to the fathers. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Living Fullness. I'm Sina Constantine and joining me on the podcast is Father Sean Burns. Each week you'll hear us chat about a range of topics from virtue to relationships, comments on cultural shifts and lessons we're learning as we go along and we are so delighted to have you join us. So sit back and enjoy being part of a conversation with a couple of friends. Hey Padre, how are you going? Well, thank you, Sina and yourself. Doing well, doing well. That's the way, that's the way. What's been happening? Well, we had this episode recorded a couple of weeks ago and then you sent me a message saying... Oh no! Yeah, somehow the memory card seems to have wiped itself. So yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so here we go again. Take two. Recording take, take number two. If we sound weird, it's because we've done all this before. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. There might be something else come out of. It's true. It's true. Episodes. Something good will hopefully come from this. Yeah. So, um, in fact, I'm sure it will because God is good. Yeah. Exactly. So, exactly right. So what I've been up to? Well, since. Last time we recorded, I've been to Melbourne. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Good. It was a nice little day trip there. Did a few things. Found a lovely little pub. That yeah. I'll be sure to visit next time. Yeah, nice. And nice. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was quite delightful. Cool. How about yourself? Well, I suppose the big news for me has been that I got permanent residency a, yes. few, a few weeks yes. ago. I was about to say a few years ago. A few, <laughs> a few years few ago, weeks yeah. Ago. Yeah. So that's kind of taken a little bit to just kind of sink in. It's and pretty huge, isn't it? Yeah, and just kind yeah. of realising the things that are options now that weren't an option even just a couple of months back. So just kind of, yeah, coming to the realisation that, yeah, you know, although it's, it's just an email, like, yeah, you know, yeah. how much of a difference can an email make? With, Apparently huge. With a single sentence, but yeah, yeah it actually does yeah. shift some things, so. That's really awesome. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's nice wonderful. to be in this position. <laughs> yes, I, I, look, it's, it's lovely to hear you in that <laughs> position. It's, you know, I think the, the community sort of followed you through it and uh, so it's nice to, particularly that podcast that we did where it was like an, an outline and explanation of everything that happened in your journey and now here you are a permanent resident. That's a really good thing. Mm. That's really awesome. Mm. To, yeah. So. What are we talking about today, Padre? We are talking about self-esteem and is self-control more important? A few weeks back now, probably a few months back actually, I was looking at Facebook on one of the Catholic groups. There was a thread about self-control and self-esteem and that self-esteem isn't that important, but self-control is super important, Mm -hmm. right? So so it's pitting these two things against each other. Mm -hmm. So it it sort of seemed that self-esteem wasn't that important and that instead self-control should be valued to the max. Mm -hmm. And so it it sort of struck me that self-esteem is seen by some conservatives as problematic since the self, in their view, should not be esteemed. Therefore, they encourage self-control as a replacement. And my thinking is that unless self-esteem exists, self-control will be deficient. Mm. That these things don't actually need to be pitted against each other. Mm. And I guess to have this conversation, we kind of need to first look at what are we talking about when we talk about self-esteem and self-control. So in in my eyes, self-esteem is more like a confidence. Um, It's a positive belief in ourselves. So I'm talking like our worth and our abilities, 
you know, uh, maybe a combination of that or having like a, a subjective sense of our own value and our own worth. Mm. And there's nothing anti-Christian about that. No, not at all. But I kind of get the sense that, you know, similar to what you're saying, I kind of get the sense that some would consider the need to focus on growth in self-esteem as like a selfish endeavour, that it focuses too much on me and how valued I am. So someone who actually knows that they have infinite value isn't a selfish person. Mm. Someone who knows their own worth isn't a selfish person unless they were to conflate both of those as something that they can derive from themselves. So it comes from an internal place or something. In, in which case, yeah, okay, that, then it becomes a selfish thing. But unless as a Christian, when we look at our worth and our value and we see that coming from God himself, then there's nothing selfish yeah. in that. Yeah. So as a Christian, we actually should know our value. Definitely. We should know our worth and we should be confident in both of those things. Yes. Like, so we should have a good sense of self-esteem coming from being a child of God. 100%, yes. So when we have that sense of confidence then, that sense of self-esteem, then we can actually look at the obligation that we have to uncover the gifts that we've been given by God and to grow in them, to gain a sense of strength and possession over those gifts so that we can put them to service, which in turn glorifies God. Absolutely. So one of the patristic passages that I love to quote in this regard is from St. Gregory of Nyssa. And uh, it's from one of his homilies on the Song of Songs. And he says this, O man, scorn not that which is admirable in you. You are a poor thing in your own eyes, but I would teach you that in reality you are a great thing. Realize what you are. Consider your royal dignity. The heavens have not been made in God's image as you have, nor the moon, nor the sun, nor anything to be seen in creation. Behold, of all that exists, there is nothing that can contain your greatness. So I'm always amazed at that passage. You know, St. Gregory of Nyssa, he lived between 335 and, and 395, so he's writing in the 4th century. And even in the 4th century, as a church father, he's saying, hey, human person, you are glorious. Mm. You are glorious mm. because God has made you glorious. Mm. It's so good to realise that this idea of royal dignity, of inherent value, it's not something novel. Mm-hmm. It's something that goes right back to the fathers, particularly yeah. the Eastern ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would be an effect of having a low self-esteem, of not having a good self-esteem? What would be an effect of that in our lives that, that, that we could talk about? Yeah, so I guess one way for a Christian with low self-esteem it's always this sense that there'll be less responsibility, like when we're talking about and building up the kingdom of God, because someone who has low self-esteem hasn't yet been able to yield fruit of the gifts and talents that they've been given because they don't actually have the confidence in those gifts and talents. So I'm thinking in particular of Matthew 25, 29. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So we've actually been given a responsibility to care for what we already have. And that includes the absolute basics of living from a place of knowing who we actually are 
and whose we are and doing that with confidence. Absolutely. The passage you just quoted is sort of fundamentally contrasting a a relationship with God versus a materialistic and power-based outlook. For the believer who experiences the love of God, he will always experience more because God's love can never be exhausted. For the materialist, he will only ever lose things. Nothing material ever lasts. Mm. And in the end, what he values so highly, his own life in the material world, even that will be taken from him. Mm. However, where this connects nicely with the idea of self-esteem and self-control is that the more that we receive God's love, the more we develop a sense of our own unique value and worth, and the more we can then be attuned to the worth of others. And it's insane to me that some folks think that by thinking of myself as hopeless shameful or Mm. wicked, it will actually place me in a position to mission for God. No. Now, did the saints see themselves as wicked or sinners? Yeah, they they often saw themselves in all their weakness. They often recognised that they were not where they should be or Mm. that somehow, you know, there was some small vestige of sin which they saw as the greatest offence to God. Definitely. But they also saw the other side as well. That is the glory of God who has redeemed them and the glorious disciple they're called to be. Mm. That's, that's self-esteem. What about self-control? Yeah. Well, I guess self-control, on the other hand, is temperance, really, and fortitude in action. So it's the ability to regulate emotions, thoughts, and behaviour to appropriately correlate with whatever is the most loving response that's in front of us. And I'm not sure how we can actually exercise the virtue of temperance if we first don't have like some level of assurance and confidence in our ability to be able to do something. Mm. (laughs) That confidence doesn't just come from self-control because self-control is the action part. It comes from self-esteem, which is the belief part. Yeah. So if I don't understand that I'm made in the image and likeness of God, I will not be able to regulate myself in a Christian way. Mm. Any attempt at regulation will be marked by pride or self-loathing, affecting the way I view God and any mission that he wants to place on my heart. I will attempt regulation because I'm too strong to be controlled by this or because I'm dirty, both of which eventually wind up back in a complete lack of regulation because any changes in behaviour have been first-order changes only that is, changes in external actions or surroundings. As important as these are, if they are not eventually followed up by second-order changes, that is, changes of interior attitude, then we will eventually move back to the old behaviour. So by way of example, not only should I stop gambling and set up boundaries to stop my gambling, but I also need to develop deeply held convictions which accord with reality about who I am who God has called me to be and why gambling addiction is contrary to this identity in order to develop lasting changes and virtues in fortitude and temperance. Mm. We harp on about this at Virtue Ministry all the time, that virtues are not just actions. Surprise, surprise. Right, right. A virtuous person doesn't just do the right thing. They live love excellently. So by that, we actually mean the integration of thoughts and emotions, motivations and desires. All of it has to be aligned towards love. A virtuous person can only live out the virtue of temperance, so the virtue of moderation, by exercising the muscle of self-control because they believe that they are owed something, which comes from, you know, that appropriate sense of self-esteem that we've Mm. spoken about and or 
the sense that another is owed something, which also comes from understanding that other person's value and worth. Um, not only because of our faith says that, you know, someone's what someone's value and worth is, but because we ourselves actually believe it to be true. So it's not just thought, but it's also an experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. So a simple self-esteem exercise that I use uh, with some of my clients, particularly the ones that struggle with self-esteem is identifying strengths Mm. because often the person who is struggling with low self-esteem either isn't aware of their own strengths Mm -hmm. or hyper-focuses on somebody else's strengths and doesn't actually acknowledge their own. So a very tangible way of exercising that is to name those strengths. And sometimes it means that I have to actually a printout of strengths for them because maybe they just completely blank when I ask them to explore that. So I might have to guide them through that. And then to find very practical and tangible ways to live out those strengths in their day to day. Because often what will happen is they've been so used to focusing on somebody else's strengths and not their own that they can't identify their own Mm -hmm. and then they can't see it lived out in their lives and if you can't see it lived out you can't grow in confidence in that particular strength so by putting very practical ways of doing it it actually makes it um, very real and you can experience that strength and grow in that confidence in a similar kind of vein I often hear a lot of my clients when they pick out these strengths they'll go oh yeah like I have a very like um vague idea of how this works or you know I'm, I'm nice to people or I'm patient because I just am yeah. Like, well, yeah well but tell me tell me one way that you can practice patience today well I'll just be patient with people yeah but what does that look like <laughs> like let's break it down to the very practical thing you know maybe that's about I won't switch over the TV control, remote control. I won't fight for the control, yeah. um, you know, tonight when we're watching a movie together as a family. I mm. will leave it in the hands of somebody else. Like finding a very practical way of living that out, being conscious of using that yeah. strength will build confidence over time. It's funny, isn't it? But the development of virtue is often seen in the context of such grand actions. Mm-hmm. And yet the reality is it's really the smallest day-to-day actions which form our, really our interior life. Yes. You know, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the difference between practising something like this and over-conflating it with your own sense of, uh, you know, your own personal confidence as in it comes from your own ability is the practice of gratitude that goes along with it. So I can, I can appreciate that some people might look at an exercise like that and go, yeah, but then aren't I just focusing on like what I'm good at and look at me and how great am I? And that's not true virtue. Like it's not, the virtuous person wouldn't say, well, look at me, aren't I virtuous? Like that's just so contrary to the virtuous person. So practicing gratitude along with that. And as a Christian, for me, gratitude means that there's a direction towards someone. So I'm actually grateful to someone (laughs) for what I possess. It's not a gratitude for myself. I'm not grateful to myself (laughs) for whatever it is that I've been able to do. I'm grateful to God who's given me strength to be able to exercise whatever it might be. Father Bradley Rafter, he talks about, um, he says that the title of his first book will be How I Mastered Humility. <laughs> right, right. You know, you know it's, it's sort, of, sort of, look how great I am, you know. Which if you know Father Rafter. Which if you know Father Rafter, he's just, he's, he's completely <laughs> joshing around. So that takes us to the end of this episode. Um, what about a truth, beauty and 
goodness stinger? Yeah, for me, I took myself for a drive a few weeks ago. I'd had a lovely day and just thought, oh, the sun's out. Let's just go for a long drive and ended up just outside of town and um, turned the corner and all I could see was sort of paddocks everywhere and I had sort of cattle on one side and canola like on the other and in front of me and I just kind of burst into tears just recognising that like this is all here and I get to stay here and I get to enjoy all of this. So I just had this overwhelming sense of just being gifted by God in that moment. So I think it took a while before this whole permanent residency stuff hit but started to hit much more in a much more real way from that moment on so just through the beauty of nature you know being able to experience god in that so what about you padre well i have a resource to share Mm -hmm. it is the a book written by henry de lubac or henri de lubac insist on the correct pronunciation of his name the drama of atheist humor. And uh, he goes through basically some of the, the atheist philosophers like uh, Nietzsche, Comte, Marx, Feuerbach, and uh, he goes through them and sort of outlines the tragedy of atheism in general uh, and how it actually both misses the brilliance of who the human person is in the sight of God and how it also at the same time manages to speak into the drama that is the human person insofar as it sort of demonstrates this the human person's capacity to choose for or against God. Mm. Uh, yeah. Cool. You can check out the details for that in the show notes to be able to find. Absolutely. Book. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Living Fullness Podcast. We will catch you again next week, but until then, you'll have love and grace. God bless. Mm.